Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody. I I don't know if you can feel the excitement that's pounding in me, but I, I am so excited about this show today. I have a guest on my show today. Her name is Terry Roseman, and she is the founder and executive director of Live Yoga Wellness, and she also happens to be a neighbor. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking with you today. Me too. And we have a mutual friend, Deanna Courtney, who I've known forever from the YMCA, her and Brian. They, they have been friends of mine for a very long time, and they encouraged me to reach out to you and say, you have got to have Terry on your show. And I agree completely because the focus is going to be about yoga. And I think that that's something that we could probably all benefit by in some form or another. And we're going to learn about yoga through you. But I, I think it would be great to start the show off by just getting to know a little bit more about you, Terry, because I really don't know a lot about you, and I thought maybe you could just share some of your background with us. Well, thank you, Marsha, and a shout out to Deanna as well. Deanna's teaching at Live Yoga Wellness, so she teaches on Tuesdays at one thirty and Thursdays at 9, so you can catch her there. I know. Uh, I'm going to go tomorrow. Uh, oh, yay, yay. I'm so excited. Uh, if if we've inspired you to be to to be a yogi and and explore yoga then we've accomplished everything. Um so a little bit about a little bit about me. Um so I wasn't always a yogi while I've practiced yoga since the 80s. I guess that would make me a, a yogi. Um I turned to yoga very seriously. Uh, after a life-threatening disease. I was diagnosed and treated for breast cancer in 2003, and so I turned back to my yoga practice uh, to really give me uh, a base to go on living. I really feel like yoga saved my life. Um, I can, you know, before that, I was uh, a high-powered executive in the corporate world in sales. I had the seemingly perfect life. I was engaged. I had uh, just moved into a big house. I was becoming a stepmother. And um, between uh, the relationship strain, losing my father, and the diagnosis of breast cancer, all of that you know, came crashing down over a period of five years, which led me into the study of yoga in a very serious way because when I was practicing yoga, uh, I found a sense of calm and a sense of ease. And what I realized was that I had been living my life from the outside in, you know, ob- obtaining and doing what I thought I needed to and should be doing and instead have learned that living is from the inside out 
and it's being in community and in relationship with oneself, that self-care is health care. Boy, you're not kidding, are you? That's, I, you know, when I, when I have guests on my show, I don't know what the listening audience does, but I take notes because it, it reinforces what I've heard. And what I, what I heard you say that was so significant is the difference between living from the inside. Say it, say it again. How, how living is from the inside out. You were living from the outside in. Is that what you said? Yes, yes. In other words, I was doing and spent my life, I mean, this is what I was, I was taught, you know, that you, you, know, you go to school, you get a job, you're responsible, you're a householder, you, you, know, you buy a house, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this is what I was doing. I had no idea what living really was. I was obtaining, 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 and was incredibly stressed and didn't have a sense of what was my nature, what nurtured me, what was healthy for me, you know, was being in that high-powered 24-7 stressful job situation the best situation for me? No, clearly not. And so my yoga practice has given me an understanding of what listening to myself is yeah. you know, feeling sensing all of the elements I don't think we all I don't think we're all even mindful to think about sensing that because I think that like you said just a moment ago we're so caught up wrapped up and functioning that sometimes that self-care and that that ear to listen to our own instincts and intuition gets drowned out by go, 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 and then wait, just go a little bit more. And, uh, and sometimes, as you mentioned, it, it, it took an experience, a life-altering experience, frankly, to to re to to bring the wagon back around. You had already been doing yoga, but it sounds like this really sparked a more deep inside experience for wow, I need to re I need to regain myself. I've somehow got lost in the process. And I can relate to that. And I think if most people took the time to to evaluate how they're living they could also relate to that as well for for a variety of reasons. Um, many and, of us have had life-altering experiences. Well, and I hope to you know, bring awareness in small, subtle ways rather than it having to be such a loud message. I mean, that was a two-by-four, being hit over my head with a two-by-four. It doesn't have to be that loud a message. And... You know, I hope that over the years I've learned to listen to messages that might be a little subtler. And right. what I've learned is that small, minuscule, subtle changes over time add up to be very significant, that it's very challenging to make changes of any kind. And if we want them to be lifestyle changes, significant and forever relearning, 
then we need to do it in a way that is acceptable to our senses and that we don't reject it. So you know, I invite you know, one small change at a time. Embrace it. Let that become the new normal and then take on the next change. That's great advice. Uh, let's, let's do a little glossary here for a moment for those okay. that do or don't know very much about what yoga is. And I think that maybe the, a place to begin with that would be the, the definition of yoga. How would, you, how would you define yoga? So I define yoga as balance. <clears throat> balance of all areas of our body. In yoga philosophy, yoga looks at a person holistically. So if you think about us in five layers, like an onion, you know, there's the external physical layer, there's our energy body, our breathing body, there's our emotional mental state, there's our intellectual intuitive state, and there's our spiritual state, our highest knowing, whatever that is for you. That makes up the whole person. And yoga holds space for the whole person to come to balance. Sometimes some areas are out of balance and not others. You know, when we're stressed, you know, what does that mean for you? Where does that show up for you? Do you become short of breath? Do you get a pain in the neck? You know, yoga looks stomach. at stomach. Exactly, stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, and that gives us different information. You know, in terms of looking at you know, how our body works in balance. Like everything has something to do with everything else. I say often that people come into yoga, into a class or into a studio or to a yoga therapist, for whatever reason they're coming, many most times they stay for a variety of other reasons or things that they have found that gives them benefit from yoga. So whatever you think yoga is, or if I ask a room full of 20 people the definition of yoga, they'll come up with 20 definitions. Likely they're all right. Yoga is more than you think it is. I will say that. That's interesting. I I asked a very, very good friend of mine today what he thought yoga meant. And he said... His, his answer, one, let's say one of your 20, was union. The union between the mind and the body. That's how and the he breath. described Well, And the and breath. So concept, you had believed that the breath, I can't even begin to tell you the influence that this man has had by telling me the value of breathing. We all have to breathe. We're not going to live without it. But to understand how to breathe and the value of that is just remarkable. And I can't believe how it's affected my life. And I think that the next um, opportunity to move that forward into a yoga practice seems like a very natural progression for me. You, you oh, mentioned that. that you, yeah. I, if I may well, yeah. speak to the sure, point of please. breath. In, in yoga, the Sanskrit word is pranayama, which talks about energy. It's in the air that you breathe as well as in the foods that you eat. 
and what you nurture, what you take in. And our breath, our, our bodies breathe, whether we're paying attention to it or not, our bodies breathe. When we become aware of our breath and utilize our breath as a tool, it's a tool for health and wellness. It's transformative. There's a, a breathing workshop, a pranayama workshop, led by a master pranayama teacher coming up at Live Yoga Wellness on May 5th. So if you're interested in more techniques about breathing, I recommend Surendra Mehta and the workshop on the 5th uh, to learn more about breath. But breath is the foundation of yoga. It's well, the connection. It's the bridge. Yeah. It's the road in. Hmm. Well, that's, if you that's allow your really, breath, if you follow yeah. your breath, one one other point, if I may, Marsha, mm-hmm. in my classes, I'll say, allow your breath to lead you in and lead you out, because your body only wants to go as far as it feels comfortable. So if you're going beyond what's comfortable with your breath, then your body may not want to go there again. So allowing your breath to lead you, you'll be safe. That's interesting. Uh, that, that's that's I I think that's just you know I that's just fascinating I um the way that I know our mutual friend Deanna is from the YMCA because she and Brian were members for the Y forever and I was the membership director there and I I took a yoga class one time one time only and even though we offered them there so and that was I don't know I don't know maybe twenty years ago practically I think that it. You don't know unless you've experienced it. You know, you hear about, I don't think anybody doesn't have a friend or know somebody that does yoga. And I, I, I'm I, beginning to really appreciate even more so that value of just calming myself. You mentioned that you were interested in yoga prior to becoming ill in 2003. So have you been doing yoga for a very, very, very long time? Well, I started practicing yoga in the mid-1980s. I was, had the good fortune of going to Rancho La Puerta in Tecate, Mexico. It's a retreat resort mm-hmm. and took my first yoga class. Um, it was a traditionally taught flow-based class, uh, and I enjoyed it quite a bit and continued yoga as part of my exercise regime. I mean, I would practice once or twice a week. And for about 15 years, I practiced with two other friends in Westchester. Uh, We shared a semi-private that we did on Fridays for years and years. And I moved to Pasadena and worked in Torrance and would still come on Fridays and do that class. And then during and post-treatment, I continued that class and began to then add other classes local to where I was living in Pasadena at the time, gentle, restorative, you know, for people that were recovering illness. I mean, very, very gentle, gentle classes that were more meditative and breathing that gave me a much broader understanding about what yoga was. And that became a lifeline for me. So yoga was exercise for me initially and for many, many years. I didn't really understand the philosophical lifestyle aspect or the breathing or the meditation part of it until uh, my illness. 
Mm-hmm. So that was pretty much a defining moment for you, wasn't it? It absolutely was. It absolutely yeah. was. And and prior to the diagnosis, I knew that I was in a much more stressful state than I had been in many, many years, that I was already considering you know, other options in my business and how to you know, take better care of myself. And you know, then it, it became non-negotiable. You know, it was life-threatening. Mm-hmm. So that was that you made a you made a significant life change. I mean, to go from the corporate sales world. I, I mean, that that's a that's a huge life change. What I'm curious to know. So, what came next then? So you decided, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to take a change in the way I've been living my life. So what happened? What did you do? Well, it, it actually, I mean, the, the change began before I left the corporate world in that you know, I was very serious about, I, I worked for another five years post-diagnosis and treatment. I worked through that period and another five years in the corporate world before I left in 2008. I say I was invited to leave in 2008 with millions of other people. But I had already begun a more serious yoga training. I had done an initial 200-hour training, which is the basic minimum that a yoga teacher needs to say I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, To give you an idea, a yoga therapist needs a minimum of 1,000 hours. So you can say you're a yoga teacher with 200 hours of training and yet to you know, begin to really understand and, and work one-on-one with somebody, it takes many more hundreds and thousands of hours. And that's just simply to get the certification. And then there are you know, years of experience. I mean, you can only teach from experience. And so if you don't have the experience, it's challenging to teach. Yet there's a, you know there's a place to teach from every level, but to understand you know who who you're working with and what what their background is and you know how much training they've had and you know who they've had the training with. Yes. Well, so so there you are. You you've kind of made this switch. Well, what I'm curious so, to know so is so what? Ha- yeah, thank you for getting me back on no. track with the with the question. No, that's so okay. I had begun the training and then I was I was laid off. So I went right okay. from that initial mm-hmm. training that was Prime of Life Yoga with Larry Payne taught through Loyola Marymount University, and that was a 50-hour course that I was layering on top of my 200-hour. What I really wanted to do was the Yoga Therapy Rx program through Loyola Marymount. At the time, it was a three-year. Now it's a four-year program through extension. And because I was working full-time, you know, I thought, well, I'll take this 50-hour course instead. And fortunate for me, you know, I was invited to leave that corporate opportunity, and I went right into the first year of the Rx program, right from the 50-hour program. And while I continue to look at, you know, I'm a householder, you know, I own my own home, you know, I thought I needed to go get a job, I continue to look in the field I was in, and had the opportunity to attend a month-long 
what I thought was going to be a yoga training to take my physical practice to another level turned into learning about meditation, a 30-day meditation retreat, and came out of that knowing that had I been offered the job I was contemplating when I went into that retreat, I would take it and then figure out how to work in tandem with this need and desire to be in lifestyle, health, and wellness. And instead, I wasn't offered that job, and I took it as a sign from the universe, now or never. And in the second year of the Yoga Therapy RX program at LMU, I opened Live Yoga Wellness in 2010. And you're still in that same location since then, And huh? still in that location you know, uh, on the campus of Holy Nativity on the corner of Dunbarton and 83rd, 6700 right. 83rd Street. Right. Uh, so the entrance is on actually, Dunbarton. Right. It's, it's interesting because I realize that this is an Internet show and it's heard all over the country, but you and I personally are very local and that that studio um, and that church is really in the backyard of one of my closest friends that lives on the opposite corner of Westlawn and 83rd Street. So I've, I've, I drive by uh, your location daily and I know just, I know just where you're located. Did, was it a, was it a difficult decision or was it just, something you just knew was a calling when you went from deciding to be a yoga or you were taking yoga to teaching yoga that 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 must have been a soul-searching experience for you to realize that perhaps that was your true calling well that's a great question Marsha, and i will answer that but before i do i wanted to just make one other point about local versus not being local my most recent endeavor is working to bring yoga and yoga therapy to teams and individuals everywhere. And so I now have a virtual practice, so I'm working on Zoom with people all over the world. I have a client in Serbia that I work with on a regular basis. So you don't have to be local to Westchester to experience yoga and yoga therapy. But to answer your question about how I went from taking to teaching, initially when I, I mean, it's a great question because I, like many, have taken the initial teacher training with no intention of teaching. I had no intention of teaching. I really thought that I wanted to take my yoga practice and the idea of yoga as a lifestyle a little deeper and I wanted to learn more about it and that was my initial interest in taking a teacher training and beyond that I thought well if I'm looking at changing the type of profession that I'm in I'm still a business person perhaps I could open some type of a wellness business and if I'm going to hire yoga teachers I need to understand what it takes to be one but I had no intention of teaching. And I didn't teach for many years after I got my 200-hour teacher training, I think, in 2006. And I didn't start teaching until 2009, like really teaching. Hmm. 
And I, I and then my first class that I taught was because somebody begged me to sub for them at a studio that I practiced at because I was qualified to do it, but I'd never done it. That was freaked me out. That's so funny. I really love now to, with the opportunity in at Live Yoga Wellness, that it's an opportunity for me to give teachers that you know, I feel have the qualification and the understanding and the desire to find their voice because you need a place to practice to have the experience to teach. So it's a you know, it's I, a balance. Well, yes, it is a balance. I I I'm telling you, for those of you that that have followed me at all on Facebook, you know that one of the things that I've made as a practice, and that would be um, a really interesting word for me to think about. But one of the things that I've done is for the last, let me tell you precisely, for the last. 852 days, to be exact, I have posted on Facebook, the word today is. And the second word I used a couple of years ago was the word balance. I think it is a struggle not only for me, but just about everyone I know, whether you're a senior citizen or you're the age of my kids or your elementary school. Balance is just not talked about often enough. And it's not just can you stay on a bicycle with two wheels. That's a form of balance as well. But for those of us that are beyond riding a bicycle and want to find the balance of our professional life, our family life, our personal life, being a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a community member, whatever labels that you find yourself in. Balancing all of that is a challenge. And we don't talk enough about self-care and that there's nothing wrong with that. If if we're ill, we go to the doctor, hopefully. But we don't seem to take advantage of what it means to take good personal care of ourselves. And I'm learning more and more just how truly important that is for a peaceful, satisfying, serene feeling and and that gratefulness and enlightenment that, that you do when you are in yoga. And I think that what I'd be curious to know, and I think you alluded to it to some degree, is that taking a yoga, and I love the fact that the word is practice. Practice suggests that you're always working towards And I I think that that's like practicing the piano, practicing yoga. It's the same thing. And what I'm curious to know is how is, based on how much more uh, training hours you need, obviously it's very substantial, what happens in yoga therapy that might be different in a yoga class? Is it a one-on-one situation for yoga therapy? Well, yes and, yes and. Uh, at, the, at Live Yoga Wellness, I teach two yoga therapeutic style classes, so group classes. So there's different ways of looking at yoga therapy and you know, in which I will ask people in the room what's going on with their bodies that I need to know about and I will sequence the class around what I hear that may address those issues. 
I work privately with people in yoga therapy, and again, it could be of you know, for um, a myriad of reasons. Uh, I'm on the faculty of LMU, and we have a we're part of the chronic pain integrative chronic pain clinic at the Sims Man Bennis Family Clinic, where we treat people that have been referred into the chronic pain clinic. There's in addition to yoga therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, allopathy, um, Feldenkrais, etc., other disciplines. So that's from a chronic pain perspective. It could be you know, people that are on the cancer journey. It could be people that have mental health issues. It could be diabetes, heart disease. You know, lifestyle diseases are our, our largest you know, killers today. You know, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. You know, many of which are preventable. Yes, that's that's. You know, that's and if that's they're not, really, if you're beyond mm-hmm. the prevention of them, then they're managed through lifestyle, health, and wellness. You know, to me, self-care is health care, and health care is a part. Western, what we think of as conventional Western health care, to me, is part of yoga because yoga is balance. And when I need Western medical care, I will seek it. Interimly, I'm going to do what I can in my life to prevent it by being in the best balance I can. We have to start with self-care. It, it, it's, and self-care is not only you know, taking care of ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally, etc. You know, I, I often say in classes, you know, would you say to someone else what you say to yourself? Oh, boy. Then change what you say to yourself. So true. So, so true. It's, it's you know, simple, I, but it's not easy. And first of all, you have to even have the reality of thinking about it. And we as adults and as my children are grown, but for those families that have young children at home, imagine the difference that it could that could be made for those children if self-care was actually a word that is utilized in the house besides did you do your homework? Exactly. Uh, you, you know, I think that it's a, an enormous opportunity for learning if we as adults appreciate what self-care means. And it could mean whatever it means to you. It doesn't necessarily have to mean whatever it means to somebody else. I know how much time I spend in my office in front of my computer. People work all the time and do the similar things that I do. I know for me, if I don't get outside and get my camera and just breathe in, take a picture of that pelican or that rock or whatever that might be, I know that it restores me. Now, that's maybe one of those, when we talked about balance, and trust me, I wrote that down, external, energy, emotional, intellect, and spiritual. And while I might hit some of those balance buttons there, I don't think I've hit all of them. And so I might be attempting to be in balance, and I'll give myself that. But I can see the value of being in greater balance, improved balance, 
nothing wrong with improving your balance I, I for for just um, a, a healthier way of living. And but simply I, I just, being aware where you're out of balance. Absolutely. So, Don't you think that's important? Yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I do. Yeah, I do. So you mentioned um, Loyola Marymount University, LMU, which is right in our own backyard. Is there an actual... Do you, I, I think that I, I might have heard this from Deanne, or perhaps I heard this from you. Is there a credentialed program that sets you apart at LMU for P that maybe other universities do not offer, or do I have that incorrect? No, you are correct. The International Association of Yoga Therapists, known as the IAYT, is the professional organization of yoga therapists. It's a 30-year-old organization. And in recent years, I I'm, I'm don't exactly know the year, in the last five-ish years or so, they have put together a standardization of this 800 to 1,000-hour program that uh, is required to be accredited, for the school to be accredited, and for the therapist to then get accreditation. And there are, I believe, 36 schools around the world that have the accreditation from IAYT. The Yoga Therapy RX program at Loyola Marymount was one of the first 11 schools to get that accreditation. So now there are 36. They were part of the first group. And once you've completed that program, you can apply for the accreditation through IAYT. In addition, since then, LMU also has a yoga studies master's program, which is not currently a yoga therapy program. So the yoga therapy program is through the extension school, and the master's is uh, in another is a, another type of yoga or more philosophical in its base. Um, there's conversation about adding a yoga therapy uh, minor to that master's. I'm not sure when that's going to be. Um, available to students, but there is conversation about that. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. So it is growing. Yoga therapy is following a very similar trajectory. There's only one other university in the country that has a yoga therapy program, and that's Maryland. All of the other yoga therapy programs are through um, yoga studios or other types of organizations, not through university. But yoga therapy, is, as I said, is following a very similar trajectory to physical therapy, which initiated as a 300-hour um, certification after the Civil War, and it's now a doctorate degree. So I, I see yoga therapy moving in that direction, it appears to be. It's a burgeoning healing modality, and we're looking at you know, how does yoga therapy you fit into the conventional healthcare system. And that's one area that I'm very interested in as our healthcare system moves from you know, fee-based services for services to value care. Like how do we really get to wellness? 
rather than this procedure costs this amount of money. That pendulum right. is a, it was a very slow swinging pendulum, but it is going in that direction, and I think that's where yoga therapy fits in when we're looking at holistic integrative care. Well, that makes so much sense. It's funny, I have my yearly physical tomorrow, and one of the questions that my doctor asks of me is, you know, what is my exercise routine? Not to mention, you touched on earlier, healthy eating and all of the other things that are important in a balanced life. And I'm going to be asking her what she says to her patients about value care. I, that's, I've never heard that term before. Um, and I think that, you know, and, and what she sees as the value in self-care. I'm, I'll be curious to see without leading her what her responses will be to that and how, she, how important she believes that that is. I, I'm, I'm curious to know how she would answer that. When, when you think about your students, what do you hope that they gain from, from yoga? What, 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 what are your aspirations for them? My aspirations for them is that they begin to have a relationship with self that they may not have experienced before. You know, the listening to yourself and being, you know, without judging, with curiosity, you know, the idea of, you know, people coming in and, you know, they have a bad knee or a, I have this or that type of language, you know, I invite a different way of looking at it. You know, if it were a crying baby, would you say, bad baby, stop crying? No, you'd pick up the crying baby. Why is it a bad knee? You know, look at what's, what's at issue. What's the cause of this and how do we calm down and come to balance? So my, my invitation is to you know, be open, to listen without knowing, and be... Uh, oh, be, you know, being as a verb, without striving. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we're a society of strivers. Yeah. You know, without that, going to one hundred and fifty percent, maybe go to eighty, and you know, have the awareness part be one hundred and fifty percent. What does it feel it's like if so... you do less? What, what do you? What does it like feel to... like if you do enough? What is enough? Versus yeah, too much. What is in, you're right. It's true. And it's, a di- it's different for everybody, and it's different in every moment, and it's different in every practice. And you, you had said that before. I want to come back to that. It is a practice, and every day is a different practice. It doesn't have to be an hour. It could be standing online at Trader Joe's. You go through a whole process of learning how to stand in mountain pose and do a breathe, a little bit of breathing. Nobody even knows you're doing it. That's, Unless that's, I'm standing behind you in line and then I giggle <laughs> and then you've got your teacher's voice in your head. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really cute. There are so many, I don't know if the term is types, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, like hot yoga and some of these lots of terms that describe yoga and I was just wondering what are those and and how are 
how are they different or similar? What would what would what would what would one want to know about the different types of yoga that are offered out there? A great question. Great question. So I would I would say that they are styles of yoga, not types. And okay. all of the yoga practices, the physical practices, whatever you call them, they're um, other than perhaps kundalini, that's a different type of yoga or a different style. They're all hatha yoga. Anything that's a physical movement, poses, asanas is hatha yoga, but it's different styles. So there are different lineages, different teachers that came from India, and uh, people have adapted those teachings and called it something. For example, Iyengar is the name of a person that studied with a guru, Krishnamacharya, which is also the lineage of yoga that I've studied, but through a different person, not through Iyengar. And he saw Krishnamacharya's work a certain way and is bringing it to the public in a certain way. And then many teachers learn that style and call it that and teach that, for example. That's one style. Um, What I'm doing is I'm saying that I'm teaching a therapeutic style because of the the teachers that I've learned from and how the yoga is utilized based on the ability of the person in the room. You know, it's function over form in the style of yoga that I'm teaching. You know, that whatever your ability is, you can do this yoga. You can be in this yoga because you're only going to be asked to do something that's available for you to do in your body, if that makes sense. That's style that I teach. When somebody says vinyasa, vinyasa or flow really means movement to breath. So many yogas are are literally movement to breath, but a vinyasa flow class generally means that it's movement to breath with not a lot of pausing in between. There can be a slow flow, so there's a little bit more space in between. You know, there are some classes that are hot and sweaty, you know, power yoga classes. Or hot yoga is done in a hot room, like 104 degrees, or I'm not sure, don't quote me. And it's um, generally a set sequence that's done over and over again. Personally, to me, that's not yoga. When you're doing some repetitive, 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 the same thing, that's not balance. A, you're working in a room that's hotter than is your body temperature so that your joints are looser than they would normally naturally be is not imbalance. So I would not I would call that an exercise class in a hot room. That's me personally. You know, that's um, debatable amongst yogis. You know, it's a hot, ha, no pun intended, button. <laughs> um, but so there are different styles. You know, a restorative yoga class is generally one that is um, more times than not completely done on the floor with lots of props and breathing. Um, you know, Kundalini is a different style of yoga that is working with with the breath primarily, uh, and it can be in a very active way, but it, it's not as asana or poses uh, based. 
did I answer the question? Is there a question you about did. something in in particular? So it really you no. I would you know people call you know then there's all kinds of crazy things like goat yoga which isn't yoga either. So I would caution I've people that, to yes. read about the class and read about the teacher and see if that resonates with you because really the yoga is your connection to your teacher and connection to the community that you're practicing in. Well, that makes and total sense. And if it's there, sense. then you're in yoga. Is it, is it? Do you think that it's hard for people to learn? I is it hard for people to learn? Um, in other words, if I go to Deanna's class, when, not if, when I go to Deanna's class tomorrow and I mm-hmm. ask her, what do I need to bring? Uh, do I need to bring a mat? Do I? Would she said comfortable clothes? You know, you can so take, I take comfortable off. clothes. We practice barefoot. Uh, if you have a mat, I encourage you to bring your mat because your mat becomes your sacred space wherever you practice because we encourage you to take your practice out of the studio. If you don't have a mat, don't run out and buy one. We have them. We don't rent them. We lend them to you. You're welcome to use one of our mats. And I would invite people to come in with a beginner's mind and you know, whatever your preconception of yoga is, that's likely to have some truth to it, and it's likely to be a lot more than that. So try it on. See what works. It should never hurt. If, it, if you are in pain in any way, immediately tell the teacher that you're working with, this doesn't work for me, and stop what you're doing, and an adjustment will be made. There are modifications that can be made until you're absolutely comfortable. As I said, it's simple and it's subtle, but it's not necessarily easy. We invite you to move with ease, which may not be easy because your mind may want your body to do something that your body doesn't want to do or your body wants to do something that we're not asking it to do. Because our bodies are tricky, you know, they've helped us survive, you know, the whole body-mind connection. So you get to unravel some things, maybe, or just come for a physical practice. You know, I invite people to come in for whatever the curiosity you had about yoga. Come try it on. Couldn't hurt. Shouldn't hurt. We say that in, in yoga as a teacher, we want to meet the student where they're at. That makes sense. I once asked a a master yogi who I thought, I was very young in my practice. I I hadn't taken a teacher training yet, so it was before that. And a teacher that I was um, following at the time invited me to a workshop with her teacher. So this was a huge, big deal for me. Like I was going to the teacher's teacher. It was the first time I had ever done this. And here was a teacher that was was the yogi in my stereotypical mind that could be the pretzel man. And so I was even more enamored because here's pretzel man and I'm, you know, 5'9", stiff lady in my 50s at the time. And I said to him, like, what do you do now, now that you can do everything? And he looked at me and he said... I start over, and so it's layers. It's wherever you're at is perfect, perfect. Come on in. We're going to start right there. So 
let's talk a little bit about feelings for a moment because I think we've been talking about that without using that word. And I'd like to know personally, how do you feel either after you've taught a class or you've taken a class? I love this question. And this morning is a great example of that. I always feel better regardless of whether I've taught or I've taken. And today was one of those mornings I was cranky. And I didn't want to be cranky, especially that I had this opportunity to share time with you and I wanted my energy to be up and positive. And I was cranky. And so I walked to the studio with the dog instead of driving to take up my energy and to get rid of some of that angst. And... I was cranky going into the class, and I said something to my colleague about being a little cranky, and we had two new people in the room, which just lit me up from the inside out. And I was then in the room with my students teaching this amazing class, followed by a private that I had with a a client that, because of her traveling and my traveling, we haven't seen each other in a month, and We had a great breakthrough, and I walked back, you know, happy, open, came back, you called up, and and here we are. So for me, the being in yoga, being in community, always leaves me feeling better. I mean, I may have had the biggest cry because I've had a release of something. I still feel better, you know. You could get angry. It's like, oh, my goodness, that spot. I know what that spot is. You know, sometimes there's anger with it. But there's always a bit of understanding, another layer. You know, it's I without judgment. Oh, gosh, you know, if you, it, I'm hearing a lot of buzzwords. Buzzwords, I guess, because I'm, I'm kind of I'm living part of this practice right now, even though I may not be doing the physical work. But... I've had some very interesting guests on my show and recently and listening without judgment, that that's another such an important thing that we could all continue to practice. Whether the and I loved what you said earlier, Terry, about would you say what you're saying to yourself to somebody else? I mean, can you just take the gloves off for a moment and not box so much with yourself and start loving yourself a little bit more? I my mother passed away many, 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 many years ago. But one of the lessons I took from my mother was you can't expect somebody to love you if you do not love yourself. You have to have self-love and self-care in order for other people to find that important in you. And if yoga is a place where that also gets brought forward, just another wonderful benefit of yoga and just thinking about what that means. I, I'm just so enjoying hearing what you're talking about because I am personally feel affected by this and I think that people listening that maybe perhaps already are in yoga and you're just reinforcing what they knew or perhaps they're not doing yoga and they're inspired and I don't want to lose this opportunity pardon me, to let people know you mentioned virtual your virtual abilities, how can people find out more about about you? 
not just our locals, but those people that are listening that, that are not local, how would they go about learning more about you? Where would they find this information? Well, you can find it on our website, which is www.liveyogawellness.com. Or you can reach me by email at terry, which is T-E-R-I, at liveyogawellness.com. Or you can call me at 310-835-6700. Perfect. I think Thank that's you for just asking. Ter- well, you're you're be- you're well you're you're welcome, and I'm I actually have your website up in front of me right now, Terry, and I know that you do some corporate wellness, but when we you know I, really this could be a two hour show, and you I'm, we're not going to make it a two hour show, <laughs> but I I'd like to deviate a little bit from maybe one of the questions that I was going to ask you because this is on your page and I want to ask about that. And that's the the part that is essential oils plays in all of this. I, I For many people, that essential oils, what are you talking about, Crisco versus Wesson? I mean, what are, you know what I'm saying? What does essential yes. oils mean to people that don't Well, know? I love that you're asking me this question. So I will start with saying that the second Monday of every month, which is today, I host an essential oils gathering at my house. And this is great. You didn't know this, but I do. I no. host <laughs> This is funny. So it's tonight from 7 to 9. So if you or any of your listeners are interested in attending this evening, there are spaces available. And you can go online to the website, again, liveyogawellness.com, and sign up, and I'll send you my address. It's at my home in Westchester. I have been using Young Living Essential Oils for over 20 years. It started with this yoga teacher that I studied with for 15 years here in Westchester. She would use oils at the end of her class, and I thought they were lovely. And then I you know, bought a lavender because I thought it was lovely. And you know, I started dabbling in it. And at the time of my diagnosis and treatment for breast cancer, when I learned that you know, environmentally and the chemicals and the toxins that were in the products that I was using may have contributed to my diagnosis, I began to eliminate those products from my household and personal care products and started making my own and started using more essential oils and natural products. And uh, at the time of you know, when I started teaching, I started using oils at the end of my class, and people started to ask me about them, and so I got more involved and began having the workshops. So Young Living Essential Oils are therapeutic-grade oils. Many of them are ingestible, uh, and you know, I use essential oils and five basic ingredients to make just about you know, every household and personal care product that I use in my home. So if you, you, you can use them for, um, I, I'll go to my essential oils first aid kit before I'll go to an over-the-counter medication. Now, again, I'm not advocating one over the other. There's a place for all of them. This is my personal mm-hmm. choice. You know, I'm not an aromatherapist. I'm not certified in it in any way, but I've been utilizing and using natural products or moving in that direction slowly. 
So if you have essential oils in your cabinet and you know, I invite you to go look at the bottle and if it says for external use only, I would suggest not buying that brand again because it's probably been adulterated in some manner. If you wouldn't put it on your body, why would you put it? I mean, if you wouldn't put it in your body, why would you put it on your body? Your skin is your biggest organ. So if you're putting something on your skin, you're putting it in your body. Wow. So if you, you know, I look at it this way. If I, if I can't understand the ingredients that are on a product that I'm going to put on me, I may not try that product. You know, if it has more than five I, ingredients, I would be a little leery of it. That is there are carcinogens so in, in many, many things that are in our products today. So that's tonight. I, Come over, Marcia. Yeah. I would love to have you. That is so interesting because I had, I'm just going to raise my hand. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm not going to take the glove off and punch myself on the side of the, the cheek. I really thought essential oils had only something to do with, like like you mentioned, aromatherapy, something that you might put on on your wrist just to smell good. I had no idea. I'm being honest with you. I had no idea that this was um, ingested. I really didn't know that. And I mean, they I, can I, be, I, I, that, not all of them, but it can be. Okay. Or maybe put peppermint on your temples to get rid of a headache or on your wrists to get rid of a hot flash or on your belly to get rid of a tummy ache. Fabulous. It's so much fun. As, as you can imagine, you're living your life, and and quite well, I might add, and you are really a blessing to this community, and I know oh, that we you. really regionalize this in many ways, but the fact that you can use Zoom and you can talk to people living in other places is very encouraging because of your background, and I think that that's, that's just a, a wonderful thing. I, I, really, I really do, and, and I'm so taken by the passions of my guests it's just it's just truly it's just remarkable that I have this opportunity to do this every week i'm I'm very grateful and i you 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 touch very slightly on meditation and 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 what that means and it, it means different things to different people, but I know that that is also something that I would presume that you do on a regular basis to stay in balance as well. Would I be right about that? Absolutely. Meditation is yes. you know, at the core of my personal practice. And you know, it's taught in every yoga practice at some level. But there, you know, as I've said before, it's layers and layers and layers. And where do you want to begin? You know, where are you at right now? And how can, you know, how can we, how can I you know, help that journey, guide that journey? Because it's your journey. It's your practice. It's, it's wonderful, There's, no, Terry. Right, there's I, no right and wrong. There's healthy and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and you are um, trained to deliver this, and I think that that's what's so terrific. And there are a lot of people. I, didn't re, I guess I knew this. So yoga really did begin in India. Would I be, am I right about that? That's where this practice originated? Yes. Yes, like oh, some 5,000 okay, right. years ago. 
So it predated most, you know, it predated organized religion as we know it. So I think that personally, I believe that yoga philosophy is underlying, you know, the most of the religions of the world. You know, really do no harm, you know, no judgment, you know, come from a place of love and compassion, you know, no stealing, you know, basic, yes. basic moral, ethical guidelines to live by. Right. It's, I mean, we, you know, we're not all thing. of it all the time, but it, it, it's you know. the bring it back to balance, bring it back to balance. You know, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it? Right. It's balance and, and yoga. Is it is it balance? I, I I like you said at the beginning. It is that is such an important term and and I don't care as I said earlier if if you're in your sixties or you're eleven or seven. You know where's the balance? I I know people that really monitor their children, for instance, and their ability to use their electronic um, devices. You get mm-hmm. one hour a day, you want to use it now, that's fine, but just know that that's all you get. I'm, we're monitoring that. You need to be outdoors and you need to be running and jumping and exploring and looking for worms or whatever it might be. And I, I think that it's just been a, a, a fast-moving hour, Terry, with you. And I feel like not, sometimes my guests don't live anywhere near me. That's the beauty of a podcast. I, I had guests that are in Boston and Florida friends of mine, but I'm not going to see them at Starbucks. Uh, I feel like I've just made a new friend, and I want to once again thank Deanna for that connection to make that happen. I We are walking distance from one another's homes, so I'm going to have to take a walk with, what's your dog's name? Is it Izzy? Izzy. Isabella. Izzy. Also known as Isabella. Izzy. Isabella. I got yes, it. Well, Izzy. I'm going to have to come meet you guys one day and take a walk around the neighborhood and just smell the fresh air but I, would I be want our to pleasure. thank you for your I, I just want to thank you Terry for taking the time today for joining me and just sharing with, with my audience the passions in your life it's, it's been just delightful and, 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 and informative and inspiring and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak with you today well thank you Marsha I feel the same I feel the same I appreciate the time well Thank you. And next week, I'm having a guest. His name is Jack J. Hirsch, and he wrote a memoir about his father called The Death March. And it's a true story about his dad that escaped the Nazi Holocaust. I can hardly say those words sometimes. Holocaust twice. It's a remarkable story about his father, and he will be joining me next week and as we approach easter and passover and this time of the year um whatever you celebrate let me wish all of you a peaceful time and time for self-reflection i think that's what this show's information was about and balance and so go out there and think about that word in your life today and have a wonderful week and terry i look forward to seeing you in the neighborhood And thank you once again for being with me today. Thank you, Marsha. See you on the mat. Yes, indeed. (laughs) 